Greetings to all people of the nations. I am still Lubi Olombo Ogo and this is After Service Live. Today we are to do another yet exposition of Psalm 23 um, and have two lovely guests here with me uh, that I'd like uh, them to introduce themselves. Tell us who they are and what they do. So you are welcome. We can start with Debbie. Uh, God is good. My name is Deborah Awar. I pursue nutrition and dietetics. And I serve on the Bible study committee. Right. Um, I thank God my name is Anthony. Yes, uh, in my third year pursuing by statistics. Yes, and uh, we bless the name of the Lord for this opportunity to share the word of God together. Amen. We call him the psalmist, Anthony the psalmist, uh, which, which brings us to our discussion today. Today we will be discussing Psalm 23, um, a psalm of David. And uh, let me read. It reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, uh, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever i was tempted to add an amen <laughs> but uh yeah it just just ends with uh forever um this psalm talks about the lord being a shepherd and uh well it adds to the theme of our semester um well christ sheep hear his voice uh, where it refers to christ as our shepherd um and as we kick off this discussion i think i'll ask Anthony um to help us demystify what do you learn about God from this particular someone? Psalm, not someone. What do you learn about God? What attributes of God reveal themselves here? Um, okay, thank you. I, I, I think that when, when we read the book of Psalms, uh, we find actually right from verse 1, the person that David mentions first is the Lord. And so it means that he has already given us the exact point and specificity of what is real. Uh, who he's really referring to. When you check that verse when he says that the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Now the first attribute of God that I can mention there, it's very evident is uh, lack is uh, related to provision uh, and uh, therefore it means when David talks about him lacking nothing, of which other versions talks of uh, I have everything I need, other version talks of I shall not want. So we see the aspect of God being a provider. Uh, in, as, in as much as uh, David is referring to him as, um, as a sheep, uh, as, I mean as a shepherd, and himself being the sheep of the shepherd, there is that aspect of provision, him lacking uh, nothing. Yes, and uh, that is very evident there. And I think for David to mention this, uh, it's not just something that is speaking about theoretically. I believe it's something that David has experienced for him to come, yes, and uh, proclaim it in that verse 1. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack uh, nothing. And uh, <clears throat> when you check also in verse 2, 
you check uh, you say that it makes me lie down in green pastures uh, it leads me beside quiet waters you realize that uh, after referring to him as a shepherd uh, the aspect of the shepherd uh, leading the sheep you realize that the sheep are led to where they are finding their comfort and their provision and so david explains to us how the part of lacking nothing comes about to a point whereby he's referring us to where the provision is coming from and how the provision is made uh, so he's using pastures and and uh, the cool waters to represent the aspect of the shepherd uh, leading the sheep mm-hmm. yeah so that is the number one aspect uh, or uh, nature of god that i can derive from that verse uh, that is verse one and, and two okay uh baby um first of all i would love to echo what my brother said that the lord is our provider and what the preacher echoed on the Wednesday fellowship was to trust God with everything, to cast away our worries and fears, and to trust him that he is able to provide. The song says, I know whom I've believed in, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep all that I've committed unto him against that day. On my end, I was echoing on verse 4, which says, verse 3, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. So I find God as my instructor and the one who holds the direction of my life. The one who knows every step that I take. And so mine is to be obedient. And the entire from verse 1 to 6, we can see the faithfulness of God. That God is very faithful to David in all this providence, in the instruction in casting away the fears, we can just see the faithfulness of God to all the promises he makes. Yes. Um, verse 3 says that he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Mm-hmm. Something else that, that I draw comfort from is that the Lord does what he says he will do here mm-hmm. for his name's sake. Yeah. That gives me comfort that he will, he is sure, he is dependable. Yeah. Because he will do it for his own, for his name's, uh, his name's sake. Um, okay, how about David? What do we see about David here? David being the writer of uh, the psalm, or in this regard, if the Lord is his shepherd, the sheep, what do we see about David? Um, okay, I can, I can. What I can mention also in that sense in verse three, uh, you realize uh, the Bible says that He refreshes my soul, He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Now this, this, this tells us that David himself cannot realize the, the right paths by himself. He must depend on somebody who is guiding him. So there must be one who is guiding him, and the one who is guiding him is not just guiding him into just any other path but the righteous path. So we realize and we find here a sense of uh, David who is like one, uh, like the sheep who is dependent on the shepherd and is dependent on the same same shepherd to lead uh, him to the right places. Because of course the shepherd that loves the sheep doesn't lead them to, to maybe some caves or wherever they will get hurt but leads them to the righteous path. So I see David, a David that is dependent upon the shepherd and who is very very much submissive, even to be led to the right path. He's not just making decisions on his own. He's depending upon the guidance 
And now in that same same guidance, he finds the refreshing of his soul. So it means that all these things is a very dependable person unto the unto the one who is leading him, and that is uh, uh, the Lord our God. And uh, when you check also in verse 4, he uh, says that even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When you check, when you check the book of, uh, it's in the book of, if not Second Timothy, then probably First Timothy, that talks about, I think it should be Second Timothy, that talks about uh, that he has not created the spirit of fear in us, but of confidence, of uh, sound mind, and even of love. So you realize David has, has known this and is, is not just depending on himself still here. Even though he's walking through all those places that are so much uh, dark and so much daring, but he's still depending upon the God that protects him and, and guides him. Yes, and uh, an attribute of David here that is very, very much of essence is his submission and his full dependence upon the, the, the Father. And upon the Lord our God, uh, uh, the Lord our God is the shepherd in this case. Yes. Before I, I, I have a question, yes. but but I think I'll let Debbie add to that if if you have something else to add. Okay, checking Psalms twenty three and trying to internalize it in the daily life. I feel like David is someone who, in writing this psalm, had just sat down and witnessed the evidence of God in his life. For him to write that the Lord is my shepherd, where he tells us he leads me beside quiet waters. I feel like he had checked his life and saw how many times God had led him, how many times God had rescued him from his enemies. So this may be a thanksgiving from his heart, like he was writing down his heart on how he has witnessed the faithfulness of God. And to echo what Anthony has talked about is submission to the voice of God. Verse 3, he guides me along the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So, it is us obeying. You know, God can give you an instruction, but it is also up to you to choose. In Deuteronomy, he says, I have set before you life and death. Choose life that you may live. So we see God is not a God who forces you into something. He gives you the instruction, but he allows you to make a decision. The Bible also says those who are willing and obedient will eat the fruit of the lamb. So David was obedient and willing to submit to God. Yes. Okay. Verse 4. Actually, you have also touched on that. Verse 4 says that, yeah, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Mm-hmm. Your rod and your staff, they comfort, comfort me. me. No, uh, I was discussing this with a colleague yesterday. Mm-hmm. And then I was asking, because verse 1 says that the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. Now, how did we get to this valley of the shadow of death? Mm-hmm. Now, who led us there for us to actually... Uh, Say that I will not fear, for he is with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then can, can we relate that to a Christian's life? Um, yeah, I think any of, us, any of us can take up that. Okay. Hey, I've never thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's this interesting. Is the time. This is a fast time for everything. Hey, okay. 
Verical look at it again. Uh, it says that even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Um. Okay, if the Lord is guiding me, uh, if He guides me along this right path for His name's sake, mm-hmm. now there is an even though. Hmm. So you see, the though there is a con- is, is contrast. Okay. So it's contrasting. Just in any case, okay, I'd rather say just in any case. <laughs> because we say we, we, I mean, as much as we also saved by this time, yes. Mm-hmm. But there are some moments that, um, yes, we know the right thing to do. We know this is the right way to follow. But sometimes we really, we easily yield to our desires and the, the influence of the flesh to a point whereby we find ourselves in those, uh, those caves and those traps. And that is why I think uh, David uses the word, even though. Because he has already proclaimed that he's being guided to walk mm-hmm. in the right path. Now there's an even though that is rising there that is saying that even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Uh, and and here, you see, when you check very well, it's this is more of like situations are forcing David. Because when I check, it's not that he has gotten himself into the evil by himself. He's like somebody who has been propelled or some situation has made him to be there. Because he's saying that even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. So it means some circumstances he finds himself not on the easy paths or on the, on, the, on the paths that have got light and have got life and everything. Mm-hmm. But even when he finds himself in those ones that are contrary to the ones he really expects, he still won't fear any evil. He will still depend on the same, same person who guides him on the right path because he knows very well that he is uh, he's, he's faithful. Yes, because the refreshing of the soul will still come. God is true to his word. Yes, and uh, it doesn't change because we have changed. The Bible says that it remains faithful even when we are faithless. Yes, so I think that is that is that could be my take on that verse four. Okay. Yeah. David. Uh, just trying to check the the life of David, so that you can come here. Mm-hmm. We see David, God calling him into kingship, where David is not even ready. In fact, he is hiding the sheep, mm-hmm. and God is calling him. And he is anointed to be a king, and there is King Saul. And even between the time he is anointed and the time he becomes king, we can check the process there, where David is almost dying, where Saul is really organizing plots to just destroy the life of David. And for me, I feel like David is like a normal Christian, me and you, where in some way we always have fear. Luby, if right now you get a supplementary, you will fear. (laughs) But there is one thing certain, that God is able. And so in all this, we see David acting in righteousness. And I feel in all the things he has passed through, there was a part of fear. There was a part of fear of what is ahead. There is always a part of fear in a Christian's life. What does the future hold for me? When your enemies are really plotting, When you find yourself going through so many difficult circumstances and you're like, God, you have forsaken me. And that is the time where the book of Romans tells us all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So it is a matter of trusting the process. Sometimes God can give you a promise. He shows you the end product. But how you will reach there He does not show you. When David was appointed to be king, 
he was anointed he he was sure he will be king but he didn't know the process and the process oh my god it was tough but one thing certain is that god will be faithful and now that is where david now puts his confidence and actually say even though i walk through the darkest valley of death i will not fear i'll not fear because i know you are with me and you being with me that is enough i am certain i will overcome so so in in a christian's life mm-hmm. um the valley of the shadow of death is something that we we can expect yeah but we are assured that the shepherd will always be with us that mm. he his road and his staff uh, will comfort us i remember um the road um when when, when the sermon was going on the road was referred to as the weapon that would help the shepherd fight off predators mm-hmm. and the staff was carved that would help steer the sheep into the right direction mm-hmm. or away from cliffs or away from danger mm-hmm. um so we see we see that we need to depend on this lord who has proven himself sure hmm. okay um verse 5 uh we can go to verse 5 verse 5 says that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup runs over um yeah what what should be in the mind of a believer when he reads he or she uh, reads this verse uh because it's, it seems kind of like showing off uh you know the lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies how are we to embrace this provision that the lord has given and at the same time love our enemies or people we consider enemies as as we have been commanded by the word or by god himself this time baby can begin <laughs> <laughs> okay uh it's quite a tough question getting to the real life where me as a christian knowing that god is on my side sometimes i can get proud i can maybe answer you wrongly knowing that you there is nothing you can do to me god's on my side but from this verse uh for me verse 4 has really stood out for me that he guides me along the path of righteousness and even in the midst of this table that god is preparing for me in the presence of my enemies I am still to remain in righteousness. I am still to act in righteousness. Yeah, so for me I find humility is key in handling our enemies and in every circumstance and walking in righteousness. Okay, um another thing that is also ringing in my mind as she's saying that is that this table has been prepared in the presence of my enemies i'm not the one who prepared it and uh, it has not been prepared because i'm i'm so special or because i'm so much of essence more than the, the, the people who are now presented now as enemies because i'm trying to ask myself that who are these enemies like who are the enemies actually like which people are referred to as the enemies because when i come to the understanding of that then the enemies that are, that are my enemies i don't really think that they should be a platform for me to express or 
to show off or to be proud. Because uh, we know very well that it is by God's grace that even as we are sitting down here now studying his word. Because before we are saved, we cannot even dissect, we cannot even understand these words. The Pharisees know these words, they studied them, but they could not comprehend and they could not see that these words were being fulfilled in the life of Christ. Mm-hmm. And now we realize that even, in fact, we, if we put this and take it in the times of Christ, you realize that Christ himself overcame. And in fact, when he was, when you check that part, yeah, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. Now my brimming cup runs over. We see this in reality in the life of Christ. But let's see the life Christ lived. When you check the book of Philippians, Paul, Paul testifies of him and says that he was so humble. Even his humility was even to as low level as even to being crucified on the cross. In as much as, of course the table was prepared before his enemies. In fact, he overcame them. The time that, when you check the book of John, when they came to arrest him, Yes, the more you're looking for, the answer they are looking for Christ. Just at that answer, they made them to fall back. He had all the abilities to scatter them and to destroy them. But what did he do? Still, God gave him the strength, but he was still very humble. I think that is the same same approach we need to have. But also in the same same time, we need to pray even for the enemies because uh, most of our enemies are not our enemies because uh, they don't like us. Uh, we are told that we don't fight uh, against blood and. Mm-hmm. So it means even our enemies are our enemies because there is another kingdom that is operating in them against us. So it's our duty to, to pray for them. But I think the life of Christ in response to his enemies and the way he was given victory over them, what he prayed when, when, when he was on that cross was that, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. I think the same same approach you can have when you approach it in this. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Verse 6. Mm-hmm. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to dwell in the house of the Lord? Well, what does the psalmist <laughs> David help us understand that? What does the psalmist mean by dwelling in the house of the Lord forever? You know, to to dwell is like to reside and to your your <laughs> that is <Okay>. the meaning. <laughs> that is the meaning of residing. Like there is no way out. I'm not going out. So for me, when David is saying, "I will dwell in the house of the Lord," it means that I have seen who God is in my life. I have seen from verse one to five His faithfulness, His plans for me, and everything. And so for me, I now choose on my end that now I will dwell. I will not check on what the world says. I will not check on my friends. But in everything, I will choose God. And I will go with godliness. I think First Timothy chapter 4 says, While bodily exercise is of little value, godliness is profitable in every way. Having received a reward, both in the life that now is and in the life to come. So you can just see what godliness is. Like it is profitable in every way. And so for me, it means I will find joy in my service to God. I will find joy in his presence. I will remain there. I will do his will. Even in the storms and in everything. There is no day I will say there is no God. I'm not going to church. But that in every day, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. 
and the house of the Lord does not necessarily mean church. The house of the Lord is, we talk about the temple of the Lord, is our hearts. So the house of God is in us. And so how do we dwell in the house of God? I think that is the question we should be asking ourselves here. We have talked about personal devotions, intentionality, like I'm not reading the Bible to say I have finished Genesis to Revelation and I'm done to brag outside. But that I have thirst and hunger for the word of God. To that point where David comes and says, zeal for your house is consuming me. Because that is a person who has dwelled. The same way a child depends fully on her mother, a winning child. That is the same way dwelling means that we depend fully on God. That we are thirst for his word. We are thirst to having fellowship with him. We are quenching for prayer. We are quenching to understand his word every day in a new way. And above all, to have a personal relationship with God. And I think to finish that part of dwelling in the house of the Lord, I was just reading the book of Genesis, where the Bible says that Enoch walked with the Lord until he was normal. And it is still echoed in the book of Hebrews that God saw that the world could not hold Enoch, so he took him away. So I've just been walking and asking myself, like, what kind of relationship did Enoch have? Until he was normal, that is an example of a person who has dwelt in the Lord. So above all, it is not being the Pharisees, like I go to church, I do everything. It is about the inner me. How is my relationship with God? How am I working out my salvation in fear and in trembling to knowing God more? And now that the more we continue to seek God, he says... Those who seek him will find him. The more we avail ourselves to knowing him and to fellowship with him, the more we now get to dwell in his house and all the distraction factors go away. Yes, that's my take. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's, let's check that verse 6. Um, what David is saying is getting different. You see, I'm trying to, to, to check this word house. This is where the interest is. Even even the dwelling, mm-hmm. the house itself. Okay, I, just as I've uh, mentioned before, and and uh, we were also taught the other time is that we realize that uh, when you check that word house, it's it's referred to as presence. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were sharing the evening before that uh, we find that if you have, let's say, this is a house, mm-hmm. and then we have you know, we have our dad, then we have our mom, now we are the children. Now, when we are dwelling in this, when we are staying in this, let me talk of staying. Now, when we are staying in this house, it means we are under the custody of our parents. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't go beyond their instructions. Going beyond their instructions is is making it uh, legal for them to punish us and to bring us to a point of uh, discipline. Now, when David commits, you see, he has started very well. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell. You see, David is not just somebody who is enjoying the benefits that, is, that are there in the world. Seem to, uh, or no, I mean, not, some, not just somebody who is coming to just eat, drink, then leave. Now, when you're in the house, you commit to be a member there and to be a child there. Now, you have responsibilities in the house. Now, you have got assignments to do in the house. 
one of them is to respect, one of them is also to get involved in chores. Mm-hmm. And that also informs us of who we are. The Bible says that uh, the salvation that we have received, it was predestined. Now, we were made, uh, it was planned that we could be, uh, when it talks about the workmanship, that we are a workmanship uh, that is of Christ, that we are pre, predestined for good works. Mm-hmm. So it means that when we are in this fold now, we cease to just be members who are beneficiaries of what is in the house, but we also have a responsibility. Just like a brother of ours talked about commitment. You commit to be there. Now you see when you are coming out of your family, you become an outcast. When you refuse to be part of your family and you stay out, you become an outcast. Or if they extend your way. But if you are dwelling there, you are identified with your father and your mother, you are identified with your siblings, you are identified with their character and all that is within that house, you get. So I think the, 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 the dwelling here, in fact, when you are dwelling in that house, it should be seen out of our, in our lives. Mm-hmm. Eh? Because there is goodness and there is love that follows us when we are the children of God. Now, when we are dwelling there, then we now have also other assignments. So that one calls upon us also to reflect upon, yes, we are children of God. Yes, we are beneficiaries of his provisions. Remember, he has talked about the provisions, protections, the righteousness, mm-hmm. and all that. But now, what is our responsibility as we are dwelling? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that and also, uh, that has come to my mind, the issue of dwelling, it comes also with, uh, that characterizes the, the responsibilities and all that we are taking and all that we are part of in that presence because it's more of an enclosure. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, and as we draw to a conclusion of our conversation today, yeah. um, I think my biggest, my takeaway from the whole Psalm, Psalm 23, well, as you also think of a brief takeaway for, for, for the listeners, mm-hmm. is we get to see the Lord concerned about our physical needs mm-hmm. uh, when he talks about him leading us to green pastures and, and, and still waters. We, we see him concerned with our souls and our, our spiritual uh, growth with him. We see him nourishing us, refreshing our soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is concerned with our protection. He is a God who is faithful. And then we also get to learn from David and how he is committed uh, to following this Lord because the Lord is sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's that's what I will carry on uh, for the rest of my days. Uh, keep, we'll keep on trusting the Lord. So I think you can help okay, give a brief parting shot for our listeners as we come to the end of our show today. Yeah, you can start. <laughs> <laughs> Let me start so that I don't have a hard time in thinking what I'll take away. <laughs> what many people have talked, you know, these words. Now, one thing that I'm taking here is, is that once we have rejoiced and we have engaged and we have benefited from Christ and his love, mm-hmm. his provisions and everything, now we must be a people that are ready also to be used of him and to remain there, not just people who come, and pick what we want and go. You see, David could be coming, and like just like the sheep, they could just be coming, they follow the shepherd, then the shepherd leads them to where food is and all that. Now when the shepherd is coming back, they drift and they just go their own way, so that they fail to be part of that flock. They only, they only beneficiary, they only come to pick food, pick water, and pick what is given there, then they leave. Now they don't have, because you see when the sheep are together, there's always that sense of, they always have that unity and they work together. Now, what I'm taking is that in as much as God is providing for us all these things, we must make a commitment from our hearts to respect, 
to honor, to dwell in his presence, and to be guided even more, so that we are not lost. Yes, and as much as the world is so much evil, the Bible says that the whole world, like everywhere, probably even in the place where we are in right now, lie in wickedness. I don't know whether you read that scripture. So, so you can imagine that is the place where we are dwelling. Mm-hmm. So I believe that we can also have a responsibility and commit that. Yes, he has shown us all mercies and all grace and his love is following us. But now we can also commit that he can also use us and we can also and we can also respect him and honor him and do as he directs us. Yes. Well, I think so much has been said about commitment, mm-hmm. about trusting in God. For me, I'll talk about obedience to the voice of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, verse 4, I still repeat, it says, even verse 3, oh, he guides three. me along the right paths for his name's sake. So as far as God is giving us counsel, we also have to be obedient to the voice of God. In order to enjoy all these privileges, in order to remain committed in his presence, we need to obey his voice. My sheep hear my voice. So being obedient to God, it is for me. Obedience to the Lord. Wow. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, that's that has been our show for today, an exposition of Psalm 23. Uh, let's keep this conversation going in the comments. Um, what have you learned after reading Psalm 23? And we, we get to share and help each other edify one another in this body of Christ. This is After Service Life. After Service Live. I have been your host, uh, Lubi Olombo Ogo. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.